When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today on the show, we're fixing bridges, getting married, and resisting the urge to turn our children into doves. Welcome to Lore Party, the podcast that explores the stories, characters, and universes behind some of our favorite video games. My name's Abu. And my name is Leo. And Leo, we're gathered here today, you and I, in holy podcast matrimony to talk more Stardew Valley. Specifically, marriage in Stardew Valley. I do. I do too, Leo. I do too. Thanks, buddy. (laughs) I appreciate that. So there's a lot to unpack when it comes to marriage in the valley. But I think before we jump into talking about the characters and the eligible bachelors and bachelorettes, which is sort of going to be the meat and potatoes of this episode, we should discuss what marriage is like in the Valley. Yeah, totally. And I think you you totally nailed it. Just like anything with Stardew Valley, it could be a simple topic. Like it could just be linear, three options, go, choose. What are you waiting for? This is a farming game, not The Sims. But instead, we have, what, 12 options? And as I think you and I were discovering, each person reveals so much about themselves during the dating and courting part of getting to know them. Like as you are uh, giving them gifts and having these heart experiences with them, it's pretty incredible how much depth there is to this character writing. Yeah, this wouldn't be Stardew Valley if there wasn't way more than meets the eye when it comes to something as presumably simple as marriage. But before we get ahead of ourselves, I do want to go through the process of getting married. It's pretty straightforward and what you would expect from a life RPG or a life simulator game. You befriend people in town, you give them gifts. Eventually when you reach a certain level, you begin to date them. And from that point forward, as long as you've repaired that bridge down by the beach, you can present them with a mermaid pendant, which you have to buy from a ghost because this is Stardew Valley and (laughs) diamond rings are not good enough. But once you purchase this mermaid pendant, you can present it to the person that you have uh, sort of courted throughout your time in the valley, and they will accept marriage, and they will become your spouse. And can I just point out, I felt actual anxiety giving gifts to some of these people, like, oh my god, what if she doesn't like it? And then I had to take (laughs) a step back, and I'm like, this is a video game. This is not, there are no stakes. I could literally, if I really butchered something, I could just turn off the game. I don't have to save. But the uh, concerned ape in building this game really sets up a situation where you have to sort of experiment with each of these people and take time to get to know them and what their schedule is so you can give them the gifts that they like. Yeah, for sure. Every character has schedules throughout the day. You have to learn that for the person that you're befriending or the person that you're trying to date. Now, one thing I want to point out that's really, really cool about this game is Like you said, there are 12 total candidates for marriage, six male and six female in the town. They all have varying personalities and backgrounds that we'll get into, 
But the important thing here is the gender doesn't matter. Yeah. Your gender as the farmer doesn't matter. You can court and date and marry a male or a female, even if you are a male or a female. That's a really progressive and positive choice, I think, on Concerned Apes' behalf to implement that in the game. It's not a straight male-female marriage. Um, There aren't specific gay characters. Anybody can technically marry anybody once you befriend them and begin to get to know them. And I think that's, that's pretty cool. And that takes a lot of writing and planning because I think about how many conversations I might have with a romantic partner where I'm using maybe gendered terms or gendered ideas because I am a guy. But to give the player the option to choose their own gender and then to date either gender and to marry either gender means that those characters have to have interactions that don't require the other person to be a guy or to be a girl. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And again, hats off to Concerned Ape for going that extra mile and making sure that the writing reflects these sort of progressive characters that are fluid when it comes to who they can fall in love with and who they can be romantic with. Now, another thing that you pointed out before we started recording was the mayor's involvement in <laughs> in the nuptials here. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of hilarious because Mayor Lewis is so coy in all of this. It's so funny. He's like, hey, I know you might be getting close with some people in the city. I don't know nothing, <laughs> but... You know, if you want to, you should probably give them this pendant. And I'm like, Mayor Lewis, I've been openly giving this woman yams for like six months. Like, you can just say, (laughs) you can just say whoever it is, because I don't want to spoil my choice. Uh, Whoever it is, you can just say you know that I'm into them. You know, you don't have to. Come on. Come on, man. Right. This is a, this is a town of like what twenty some people. We all know what's going on here. You know, like right. the rumors yeah. make it around pretty quickly. The next festival, whenever that comes up, everyone's going to know all the drama. <laughs> it, you know, it's a small town. Everyone knows what's going on. But it is funny that the mayor is just like so in your business when it comes to your love life. But he plays a big part in you eventually learning how to sort of date somebody because you have to bring them the flowers to eventually date them and then eventually marry them by bringing them the pendant. He plays a big part. And that's a really funny point. This is a super small town, and then every single festival, every single person is standing in the same area all looking at each other. It's like there are, well, I would say there are no secrets in Stardew Valley, but holy smokes, listen to our first episode if you haven't already. Apparently there are a lot of hidden forays, but not for you, the player. You get to do everything out in the open. It's great. Absolutely. So once it's all out in the open, it's all out there, you publicly propose to whoever you are dating up to that point, and then you get married. And then you enter the next phase in your life, which is married life. And there are a couple of perks that come along with that. The interesting part about this that we were discussing earlier is it doesn't seem to actually make a difference who you marry outside of minor cosmetic differences. Every spouse that comes to your home and lives with you, basically gives you all of the same perks. I'll say quickly, there are a couple of very small ones that I found that seem to be pretty character specific, but you're right that in the grand scheme of things, it's all pretty much the same. You know, you the marriage process is the same, the timing of it all is the same. There are some differences in what they say when you see them in the house, but like 
what they may or may not gift you or the way that they can help you around the farm are all pretty consistent. Right. For the most part, they can all help you take care of the animals and feed them, water the crops. They will sometimes cook you breakfast and present you with food. So at the end of the day, whoever you marry, the day-to-day farming perks are relatively the same. Now, the one thing that is different is the type of room that they add to your home. Because once they move in, they bring a little part of themselves to your house and they create another room that's theirs. And it's tailored to their specific personalities. The other thing that changes is there's a back area behind your house where they might be seen kind of having an outdoor activity as well, which can be kind of fun. Sam, for instance, has his half pipe that he's doing skateboarding tricks on, which appears on your farm. So I hope you like, I hope you like skateboarding if you, if you marry Sam. <laughs> uh, but uh, looking at all of the rooms, I would say the one that stands out the most, obviously, is Alex, because he's a pile of garbage and his room is so gaudy and awful. The like <laughs> bright green turf is that it looks like he put grass on the floor of his room yes, and his wallpaper he put turf in the room <laughs> and his wallpaper is footballs and then he has a football which could just be the same sprite <laughs> like the same <laughs> <laughs> i'm so glad that's the one that stood out to you in a negative way because that's exactly what i wrote down in my notes as well my notes literally just say alex you fucking asshole with your weight room which is my first impression of Alex, and we'll talk about how that actually changed when I looked into him. But yeah, I'm just appalled that the room (laughs) that he brings into your house is just this like shitty weight room with green turf and a random football and soccer ball in the corner. Like, ugh, puke everywhere. I will say positively, I like uh, Sebastian's room, I think is tastefully furnished. I like that a lot. Um, As well as Elliot, I think has a really sweet room, the sort of library. Yeah, and if you haven't if you haven't seen all these and you're playing the game, just to save yourself the time of individually courting all these people, it can be kind of fun to see the room that they move into your place. Like Maru has this star wallpaper, which looks so cool. Looks really sweet. And like a robot in her room. Yeah, I didn't even notice the robot. She's got a telescope and it's obvious that she's very much into science. But I agree with you. I think Sebastian's room is pretty interesting. Yeah. Outside of that, though, my personal favorite one has got to be Penny's room. Because it's just, that's the room that I want in my house someday as well. I want that library. She basically brings in two giant bookshelves. And there's a a beautiful potted plant in the corner. She's got some photos on the walls. And uh, she's got cushions instead of chairs for like a little reading nook at the table. And then she's got two huge bookshelves full of books. So she brings a library into your home, and that's that's just so beautiful, and that, that fits Penny perfectly, and that's the type of room that I would want in my real-life home someday as well. So that's the one that uh, stands out to me as a positive one, for sure. But fuck Alex, man. Don't, don't bring your weight <laughs> room into my damn home. damn it, Alex. Come on, man. Jesus. So the last thing I wanted to talk about before we finally get to talk about the characters and who we married and who we dislike the most, which I'm super excited about because you brought up Elliot as one of your favorite characters. He made the list as one of my least favorite characters. Oh, shit. I think that is going to be an interesting discussion. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But the last thing we, of course, have to talk about is once you're married, what if it doesn't go well? 
What if you fall out of love? I mean, people grow, people change, life happens, things on the farm happen. What if you want to get a divorce? Well, we talked about it in our previous episodes. Yeah. There's a couple of different routes you can go when it comes to dealing with the children that you have in this marriage and the spouse herself or himself. And um, they're all sort of fucked up. <laughs> it's not, it doesn't paint a great picture. So to start off, I would say, again, keep in mind, you pay 5,000 gold for the pendant that you buy from the ghost that allows you to marry this person. And then once you're married, there is a book that allows you, it's, it allows you to file for divorce, which costs 50,000 gold. So 10 times as expensive as getting married in the first place is the divorce. Now, where it sort of delves into fantasy, as we mentioned in the last episode, you can, for a price, I wrote down 30,000 gold, so a little bit more on top of the divorce, you can erase the memory of the ex-spouse. So you can you can kind of return everything to it never happened. You know, you can try again and become good friends, but maybe not go that far. Kind of a wishful thinking, I think. <laughs> Definitely some wishful thinking. And the other thing that you can do with your children is you can go back to that witch's hut where you can erase the memory of your former spouse. You can also ask the witch to turn your children into doves so that you can finally be rid of them. Oh my God. <laughs> that is that, that remains one of the funniest things that exists in this game. Like, hey there, parents. Do you hate your children? Do you want them to be wildlife? <laughs> Call the witch now for your <laughs> con- consultation. You know, it's, it's <laughs> such a wild thing, you know? That's so true. That, that's such a dark part of the game, yeah. So with the divorce and the child custody stuff out of the way, let's get to the meat and potatoes. Let's talk about the people that we pursued in our games and the people that we ended up marrying. Can I try to guess yours? Yeah. I mean, I have pretty heavily hinted at it. It's 100% Penny. It's 100% Penny. It's Penny. (laughs) If you played again, you'd choose Penny again. (laughs) Yeah. On a second playthrough, I would choose Penny again. I think I'm pretty committed to the fact that she's going to bring a library into my home. <laughs> uh, did, do you think you can guess mine? Do you think, do, did I tell you who I, uh, who I pursued? No, you actually did not tell me. And I am curious uh, if I had to guess who you ended up marrying in your game. I think my guess would have to be either Abigail or Maru. I actually ended up marrying Leah because like you, I saw the cute little cottage and I thought, man, I want to find out what's inside that cottage. And then I meet this person, this woman, and I liked her little picture. She has her cute little cottage. She spends a lot of time just wandering nature. And, you know, I got my degree in art. So when I found out she was an artist later on, I was like, oh my God, me too. When I finally married her, she adds the art studio to my house. And I'm like, I would love to have like a Bob Ross art studio in my house. That'd be awesome. That'd be so great. Yeah, those are all great reasons to marry someone. Yeah. I'm glad you found love. Yeah, man. <laughs> and the first morning, so I wake up a married man, and she's like, oh, good morning. I made you coffee. And I was like, this is the perfect relationship. <laughs> she knows. I made the right decision. <laughs> she knows everything. <laughs> of course, I found out in my research, a little bit heartbroken, I found out that a lot of people will make you coffee in the morning and cook you breakfast and things, but... 
it was a really nice, sweet, you know, you, you get married because you like yeah, the person. Yeah, at the moment, it was just you and Leah, and Leah did something special for you, and it, it was special, you know? Doing your research and learning more about the game broke that for you, but <laughs> that's what we're here to do on Lore Party, so. You, break, <laughs> break your fantasies. You know what? We're all special snowflakes. Each and every one of us is unique and beautiful. Unique and beautiful, just like all of the bachelors and bachelorettes in this town. And I do want to point out, speaking of bachelors, we are both straight heterosexual men. Sure, yeah. So I feel like a lot of the discussion we're going to have today is going to be geared towards the bachelorettes and the women in the town. But of course, there's very viable options when it comes to marrying some of the men in the town too. What did you think about the availability of dudes in Stardew Valley? Yeah, man, let's chat up some dudes. I honestly, so I think I think Harvey was a good looking guy, kind of a, a smart guy. He's a doctor, which makes him, you know, stable job, important part of the community. You discover in courting him, I learned, you discover that he loves radios and he gets really excited that he contacts an airplane pilot and he talks about how he wants to be an airplane or he wanted in a sort of past time in his life, he wanted to be an airplane pilot. Now, I have to mention, he wears glasses. So... Here we have another possible person throwing their broken glasses in the water. Into every body of water. Every next to Stardew Valley. body of water. The tiny <laughs> lake on my property, Harvey. Yeah? You're going to put your glasses there? Cool. Thanks. There's recycling bins for a reason, <laughs> Harvey. Exactly. <laughs> um, what did you think? You said you didn't really like Elliot, right? Yeah, yeah. You mentioned earlier that Elliot was one of your favorite characters in the game. I, from the onset, was just sort of like, who is this guy living in a shack on the beach? He doesn't seem like he's doing anything with his life. And my research that I did for this episode pretty much confirmed that. So it turns out that Elliot's backstory is pretty straightforward. He's a quote-unquote struggling artist, and he's writing his book while he struggles in this cabin on the beach. And I'm just like already rolling my eyes. just like, oh my God. <laughs> like, okay, maybe there's some depth to this relationship because to the game's credit, your first impression of most people is pretty shallow. And then when you begin to court them and grow your heart level with them, that's when you start to learn maybe about their darker past or their ambitions or about Harvey and his broken dreams of wanting to be a pilot and settling for just being a sort of awkward doctor. So once you get to know people, you really understand a lot more about them. I don't think that's the case with Elliot, though. He is a writer, and his entire story arc, when you go through all of his heart events and eventually end up marrying him, is basically him just writing this book. It's pretty, it is pretty straightforward. And ultimately, he's, he's, he doesn't have a ton of depth as a character, but I appreciated what I liked about him was he goes on these like poetic tangents as you talk to him where he'll get away from himself a little bit with his language because he just enjoys it so much. And I dig that. I like people who have sort of an embarrassing nerddom about something, like whether it's writing or music. You know, I dug that he was an artist and I dug that he wasn't Alex. Yeah, that's a that's a strong case. <laughs> um, I may be a little bit more convinced when you put it that way. I am very much attracted to, not in a in a romantic way, but in like a I want to get to know this person and be friends with them. I'm very much attracted to people that are very ambitious and very like laser focused in on something that they're crazy passionate about, whatever that happens to be, you know? What did you think about Sam? 
because he's sort of similar. He, I mean, he has a skateboarding, I guess, but he's a musician. He's in a band, some kind of elements of his character. What did you think of him? Yeah, so when it comes to Sam and Alex, those were initially probably the two men in the valley that I was just like, who would want to spend their lives with these people? They both seem like they're not really doing anything with their life. They don't seem particularly intelligent like Harvey or particularly talented or dreamers like Elliot. Uh, I wasn't very interested in either of them. When it came to Sam, I did a bit more digging around and you find out that he's very close to his family. And part of the reason for that is because his father is away. Right. He's deployed at war and he doesn't come back until a year or two in the game. And that leaves Sam as sort of the, you know, the eldest son in the house. So he's very close to his family and his father being away is a big part of his character. But at the end of the day, I think Sam is less of an interesting character than Alex. Well, so let's talk about Alex because every conversation I had with him was pretty bleh. Like I just didn't, <laughs> didn't care for it. And every time he said anything, which... Oh, Leo, you're not into meathead jocks? No, you bring weight rooms into your home? I know. You're, <laughs> I, you're shocked right now. But, uh, you know, it's one of those things like... I like his family. I like his grandfather and grandmother. George and Evelyn are kind of funny in their qualities. But like even the first line is of his like description from the developer update is Alex loves sports and hanging out at the beach. He is quite arrogant and brags to everyone that he is going to be a professional athlete. And I'm like, uh, fucking Alex, come on, man. Jesus. You know, that's exactly the opinion of Alex that I had as well. I learned that he was a jock. He thought he was going to be a pro football player and that he loved hanging out at the beach. And honestly, I hate beaches. And I was just like, I hate you for this one reason and this one reason alone. And I haven't interacted much with Alex in my playthrough. But in the research that I did, I'm actually kind of shocked at how deep Alex as a character is. You actually learn that he's pretty insecure about the fact that he's only good at sports. And one of the events that you can have with him is in a library or in front of a bookcase, I think. And he talks about how he hasn't ever read any of the books out of this bookcase. And he feels dumb because of it. He's like self-aware enough to realize that he's a meathead and it makes him self-conscious. And I think that adds to his character. So I, w I would say I had a turn of heart when it comes to Alex. Well, and what I would say is, I'm not going to marry the guy, but uh, <laughs> if one of you listeners out there in listener land, if you marry him, get him to come out of his shell a little bit, and then let's go on like a double date. I'll bring Leah. You can bring Alex. We'll talk it out, you know? <laughs> I'm happy to listen to him, man. Speaking of listening to two characters that you really do have to listen to because they're going through some stuff, Sebastian and Shane. Oh, my what God. What did you think of this pair? Shane, cool guy. I mean... Kind of a jerk, clearly an alcoholic. He mentions multiple times he's an atheist, but I thought he was one of the better looking guys in the town. He also, I found out in researching, he hates pickles, which let's be very clear, that's the correct choice. Pickles are a little bit gross. <laughs> I might be persuaded on that at some point in my life, but right now, not about pickles. So me and Shane are on the same page there. But, uh, he he literally he has a six, his six heart event or when you're getting to know him there's an event where you find him collapsed on the edge of a cliff near the edge of a cliff surrounded by beer and he's like i'm tempted to just roll off this cliff and you have to like talk him off of the cliff it, to be to be fair no matter what you say you like take him to the hospital and he gets okay he gets better and he doesn't remember it really the next day but 
this is a farming game. Like, <laughs> it's it's a very real portrayal of, like, alcohol dependence and the difficulty that he goes through. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he he's going through some dark times in his life, and that's resulting in drinking a lot of alcohol, dealing with depression, dealing with mental illness. To the game's credit, it's nice to see a character that sort of encompasses those traits. Not everybody is just living their perfect little life in Stardew Valley. Shane's going through a really dark time in his life, and you play a role in helping him out. So I think his arc is one of the more interesting ones. Definitely one of the more standout characters when it comes to The Bachelors, which is the opposite of what I think about Sebastian. (laughs) I really hate Sebastian. We really don't have to spend a lot of time on him. I think he's a boring-ass character. I will say, uh, Sebastian, I found a really fun fan theory, and I want to shout out the person who wrote this. Uh, This was Dwarfus on the playstarbound.com message board, but Dwarfus proposes that Sebastian is actually half Void Spirit, (laughs) otherwise known as like a shadow person, and they talk about a few things. So one of his favorite gifts is a Void Egg, which is a little bit weird, and when you when you look at Krobus or when you talk to Krobus, Krobus's favorite gifts are pumpkins and void eggs. Basically, Sebastian's likes sort of line up with what we know about shadow people and void people. We don't know who his father is because Robin is his mother, but we, we never meet his father. And uh, this person points out, Sebastian stays up all night, he sleeps in, and he doesn't really leave the house until later in the day. The only time he leaves his house is when it's raining, you know, which points out that he doesn't really go into the sun that much, which void people wouldn't really like. Basically, it's for me, I'm like, Dwarfus, nice post. Good job. I'm sold. Uh, Sebastian is half void human. I agree with that theory. I mean, I don't think there's anything else interesting going on in Sebastian's life. Well, and one of the things that you'll notice when you're playing this game, the characters are sort of paired up. You've got these sort of, the you know, people who spend a lot of time together. And one of the other ones who I want to ask you about is Abigail, who we mentioned in our last episode, clearly, definitely the daughter of the wizard. And she's sort of paired with Sebastian, which I think makes it interesting if he's half Floyd spirit. She's the daughter of the wizard. This theory is getting stronger and stronger, and I'm believing it more and more. (laughs) Yeah, when it comes to Abigail, um, we obviously all know that she's the daughter of the wizard. (laughs) But beyond that, I actually have a pretty controversial take on this. As far as I can tell, most of the internet loves Abigail. I don't know why that is, is my controversial take on that. She seems, in general, like a relatively vanilla character. Like, she seems like your sort of generic, outgoing goth girl that is into potentially nerdy things like video games and, I don't know, magic and whatever. There's some interesting things about Abigail. I think there's some interesting interactions with her family. But like we talked about in the last episode, personally, I think the most interesting thing about her is just the fact that she's most likely definitely the daughter of the wizard. (laughs) Definitely the daughter of the wizard. Yeah. I don't think it could be said enough. (laughs) The wizard has a daughter and that daughter has a name and that name is Abigail. So we talked about Leah already. But I would like to steer the conversation towards Emily and the fact that I'm just totally creeped out by her (laughs) because I started to get to know her a little bit. And then I just, let me just pull up the first heart event that happens because I cannot explain it any weirder than it actually is. The first heart event that happens after you get two hearts with her is that Emily, you see Emily asleep in her room, the screen fades, and then you're seeing Emily in her dream. She's on this 
sort of platform in the middle of a cloud surrounded by palm trees. And you're like, okay, weird dream, but we've all had weird dreams. That's okay. She's floating on this platform. She's meditating and chanting some words. Now it's getting creepier. And then she wakes up from her dream and she gets out of bed and decides that there's something special about you, the farmer, the main character, and that your destinies are intertwined. That's the exact moment that I decided, the farmer, that our destinies were not going to be intertwined. That's amazing. I will say I liked some of our initial interactions. She loves hamburgers and works in a pub. She's friends with Sandy, which I think is kind of cool because in a lot of ways, the Calico Desert, where you get to once you repair the bus or once the bus is repaired, seems in a lot of ways kind of removed from Pelican. I mean, it's literally removed from Pelican Town, but it also seems kind of like a whole nother world in some ways. So the fact that Sandy, who runs the store out in Calico Desert, and Emily are like pen pals or friends is kind of cool. Yeah, that is interesting, actually. I didn't know that. What do you think about Maru? Maru, I know next to nothing about, and I'm pretty indifferent about. Now that we've learned a bit more about what she brings to your home and the tinkering that she does with the robot, I'm more interested in who she is and what she does. Well, so from her little dev update blurb, she grew up with her mother, the carpenter, and a scientist, so she has a passion for creating gadgets. And she does a lot of sort of inventing and working on stuff. It's kind of cool. One of the things that you can give her pretty reliably, which I figured out on my own, I'll say, which is cool. I gave her a battery pack and she's super into it. Yeah, that makes sense. Something's got to power those robots that are going to (laughs) take over the valley. I know, exactly. I think that about wraps up all 12 of the amazing and somewhat not amazing people that you can end up marrying in Stardew Valley. Has your opinion on any of the characters changed? And on a second playthrough, is there a different person that you would potentially pursue? I think you've done it. I think Alex, I would give him a second chance. I would be interested to sort of become friends with him. And I think in a romantic sense, I might try to date Maru. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I think if I were to pursue one of the bachelors, it would have to be Alex, just because I've learned so much more about him. If it was one of the Bachelorettes, here's a plot twist. We didn't touch on Haley a whole lot, but I would probably try to pursue Haley and see if there's any more depth there. I know. (laughs) If that doesn't work out, Emily has already decided our destinies are intertwined. That seems like something I cannot get out of. (laughs) I think I see her in your room behind you. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that about wraps it up for this show. Whether you're happily married and hanging out in your crystal garden with Emily, or you divorced your spouse and turned your children into doves, we want to thank you for tuning in and being a part of our show. Be sure to connect with us on Twitter at lore underscore party and leave us a review on iTunes. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.